Hey everybody, welcome to your weekly message from Brad Tuttle Ministries. I am so glad you decided to join me today. Well, in uh, recognition of uh, this next Friday being Good Friday, I thought I would do a, a message that has to do with the cross. As most of you know, I will be out of town preaching uh, on Good Friday and as well Easter morning. But I wanted to have all of you go into this week with the cross on your mind, what the cross means, uh, the importance of the cross. So I hope this is a blessing to you. I hope you've been doing well. And uh, I believe this is something today that's going to challenge all of us. Because every time I preach something about Paul or read anything about Paul's life, it's very challenging. The way he lived his life and his perception and his worldview was all about Christ. All right, so let's get into this. We're going to title this, Boasting Only in the Cross. Boasting Only in the Cross. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to read one verse. Just one verse. There's a lot of really integral verses about the cross, but I pick this one. I feel like this is the one the Spirit, Holy Spirit wanted me to do. And so we will look at it, we'll read it, and then we'll kind of break it apart and look at its different aspects of it. So Galatians 6.14 says this. Paul says, but far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Wow. But far be it from me, because he was dealing with false teachers um, kind of boasting in their uh, their flesh and you know, the, the religious things that they have done, and he is coming back to, at that and that thought process with, but far be it from me to boast, except in the, in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You know, the amazing thing about Paul, his motivation was always to increase, but not his own reputation. He was always, he was always wanting to increase uh, everything he did for the glory of God. And uh, that's a powerful thing about him. And he's talking about boasting in something that at that time, the Greco-Roman world uh, saw as a as a scandal. The, the going to the cross and dying is was scandalous to them. Um, well, because they didn't believe. But to us who are believers, it's the basis for our Christian faith and our hope. What happened on what we call Good Friday was the pinnacle of, of all things. Without the resurrection, or I should say on that Sunday, without the resurrection, um, we would all we'd be hopeless. The, the Friday before that was the Day of Atonement, where he went and literally sacrificed his life on the cross, died for our sins, became our substitute, suffered the wrath of God upon himself at that moment, and he died victorious died and got ready to be born to be to rise again to be victorious over sin hell death and the grave so let's break this down it says but far be it from me to boast this statement but far be it from me to boast some versions say may it never be it's it's really meant this way god forbid may it not happen to me this is the strongest this is a negative way it's way it's written may uh, be, but far be it for me to boast, or may it never be. That's a negative in the Greek. And this is the strongest way to express it. Um, God forbid, may this never happen to me. May I, God forbid, if I would ever boast in anything but the cross. Uh, may, it, may it not happen to me that I would ever boast in anything but the cross. 
you know, Paul accomplished a lot of things in life. And, uh, you know, you live around people, you live in the world today, and everybody boasts about all the great things they have done. This guy put all that aside, all the accomplishments. He was as educated as anybody. Uh, I'm sure Paul could have had a lot of money. He was a very smart guy and very talented person. But he put all that aside to literally boast only in the cross of Christ. So that phrase, God forbid, or may it never be, expresses this really strong emotion um, or this feeling which interjects um, the, the point of these words he's saying. Charles Spurgeon said on this topic, he said, with that, with that God forbid, may it never be, Paul makes a clean sweep of every other ground of boasting and casts himself upon the only cast himself upon the one only chosen object of his soul's glorying. And yet, if you will think of it, Paul had, after the fashion of other men, many things in which he might have gloried. He says that, but far be it for me to boast that I should boast, that I will not glory in anything. I will not rely on anything but the cross. And um, his opponents, again, gloried in the conformity to the law of Moses. That's what they were all about. And, you know, they, they ironically boasted in the wound of circumcision, but Paul boasted uh, in a wounding much more severe than that, and that was the crucifixion. You know, many boast in their zeal. They boast in their talents, their learning, their orthodoxy, their wealth their accomplishments, their famous friends or family or their birth. The list goes on and on, but the point seems to be that men will boast in something. And Paul has identified the best thing in the world to boast in, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. And, you know, may all of us as believers and followers of Christ be imitators of Paul and exercise this righteous boasting. The word boast, Paul's boast appears to justify pride, but the word boast in this context carries the idea of praise. The cross was an, ob was an object of shame to the Judaizers, but it was the object of praise to Paul. Man, what a, what a way to look at life, this guy. What a way to look at life. The Judaizers, they glorified in the flesh. Paul glorified in God. Legalists put little focus on the cross and more on themselves. Paul looked away from himself in all things and glorified in the cross. And to all of us who know Christ, who are grace-oriented, the cross means everything. At least it should mean everything to us. We glory in the cross. We totally reject self-righteousness. We hold a clear view of the cross. When Jesus becomes the center and cir circumference of our life, we enter into spirituality as it should be lived. Jesus needs to be the center of our life. We need to have this mindset. Remember, he says things like, to live is gain, to, to live as Christ, to die is gain. And he says, may I boast in nothing but the cross. That was his worldview. That's, that was his belief system, that he was, he was a truly a follower of Christ, but he, he put Christ first in every single thing that he did. It's just an amazing life. Again, Charles Spurgeon said, Brethren, notice that Paul does not here say that he gloried in Christ, though he did so with all his heart, but he declares that he gloried most in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in the eyes of men was the very lowest 
and most inglorious part of the history of the Lord Jesus. So he says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a parallel uh, parallel uh, scripture in 1 Corinthians 2.2 where Paul says, For I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So this word at the beginning of this phrase, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, but that word except, Paul's making this point that this rightly directed boasting in the cross is so important and that he will boast in nothing else. Paul's passion is the cross of Christ, and it should be likewise for every single true follower of Christ. The cross, this is, I want all of you to hear this. This is really, really important, except in the cross. That the in that sentence in the Greek is a definite article. It's making a point that this is a specific cross, not a cross, not just any cross, uh, you know, any cross that upon which a convicted uh, criminal could be crucified, but the cross, this was the cross, the instrument at the time and the place which affected the release of men from bondage to sin, the devil, death, and the world, except the cross, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross facilitates the construction of a great barrier between the world and the child of God. I always like to look at it, you know, one side of the cross is BC before Christ. The other side is AC after Christ. And that's also what I call the victory side. And that's the side all of us as men and women of God should be living on always is the victory side of the cross. The cross is the central event in time and eternity. The cross is a central event in time and eternity. Uh, Alexander McLaren declared this, the cross is the center of the world's history. The incarnation of Christ and the crucifixion of our Lord are the pivot round which all the events of the ages revolve. Why do you think there's such a battle against people even putting crosses up these days? We're supposed to be living in this Judeo-Christian nation. We're supposed to be living in this nation, this one nation under God, but literally people are removing crosses from buildings. Uh, it's amazing. And Paul's telling us here, the only thing that's worth glorying in is the cross of Christ. And that's powerful, right? One commentator said, in entering Christ's service, let us then count the cost. In following him, let us not shrink from the cross. It was his badge of service for us. Let us accept it as ours for him. Listen, the cross is an offense and a stumbling block to the world. And it is so in two different ways. It makes those who have taken it up objects of dislike to others, and it is itself an object of dislike to these others. So while it unites the saints, it divides them from the world. That cross, man, that cross is a stumbling block to those who do not believe. Um, for there are enemies, Philippians 3.19 says, for there are enemies of the cross of Christ and enemies of Christ himself. Now the apostle says their end is destruction. Whew. The, the cross is both life and death, salvation and destruction. It is the golden scepter. It is the iron rod. It is the shepherd's staff of love. It is the avenger's sword of fire. It is a tree of life and the cup of blessing. It is the cup of the wine of the wrath of God. Whew. Cross, 
the Greek word storos, the cross of Christ, offered salvation without works of the law of any kind. The cross offered salvation without works of the law of any kind. It dispensed with the observance of Mosaic rites and ordinances as a condition of acceptance with God. Let me repeat that. It dispensed with the observance of Mosaic rites and ordinances as a condition of acceptance with God. It welcomed the spiritually lost without obliging them to become Jewish proselytes as a, requ as a requisite preliminary step. And that was happening there. And Paul's refuting this. Therefore, the profession or the preaching of it then obviously was stirred up the malignant hostility of the Jews as it destroyed, it literally destroyed their national distinction and preeminence and placed the Gentile world on a level with them. It desecrated in their imagination all which they and their fathers had revered and cherished for ages. But if they stay blind to it, they will continue to be an enemy of Christ. And what's it say? Their end will be destruction. Who powerful, powerful. The cross, as it is understood by the majority of interpreters, means the atoning death of the Son of God, and with it the suffering, humiliation, and self-denial. So Paul says, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul means, I accept the cross of Christ as my cross. I accept his death as my death. I take my place with him as one who has died to the world, to sin and to self, and henceforth I am not under law but under grace. To Paul, the cross was a revelation of the measure of a man's hatred against God and of God's love for mankind. Let me say that again. To Paul, the cross was a revelation of the measure of man's hatred against God and of God's love for mankind. The cross of Christ was the place where the love of God for sinners was poured out. There man did his worst against God while God did his best on behalf of man. Again, there man did his worst against God while God did his best on behalf of man. And let me interject this very quickly. Let me give you a really quick example of why you have to be very, very discerning in regards to who you listen to in the Christian world. Not everybody who calls themselves a Christian pastor, teacher, teaches the, the, the word of God uh, in truth. There's a lot of false teachers out there. And if you don't believe me, listen to this example. There's a man called Brian McLaren. He is an American pastor, author, speaker, and leading figure in the emerging church movement. A leading figure in the emerging, that's where you see a lot of these churches, not all of them, they get these different kind of names, you know, the river, the, the woods, you know, uh, the tree, or whatever. And uh, they, there's this, there's this it, it's a movement. And he was a leading, he is a leading figure in that movement. It's a rapidly growing movement in Christianity that includes what would otherwise be considered mainline evangelical churches. Brian McLaren, let me quote him here. He said this, quote, the cross isn't the center. The cross is almost a distraction and false advertising for God. Whew. 
End quote. Quote again, the church's fixation on the death of Jesus as the universal saving act must end and the place of the cross must be reimagined in Christian faith. That's someone who is speaking in the lives of men and women, and he's writing books, and this movement is going through our nation. No wonder the church is so weak when we have leaders who preach this kind of false teaching, this type of garbage. It is leading people astray. They will be held accountable when they stand before Christ at the judgment. They will be held accountable as someone who said they were a teacher and they dispensed this type of trash. Listen, a Berean mindset is no longer optional. It's never been really optional, but it is absolutely mandatory to allow one to discern truth from error. I tell it people all the time. You've got to know who you're listening to. You've got to know what they're teaching. Be discerning. Be a Berean. When you listen to them and they're telling you things, they're speaking things, they're teaching things that are not right, you need to put that book away. Don't pick it up anymore. Turn that off. Don't listen to it anymore because they are filling you with things that are not God's truth. So, and, and let's move on from that. J.C. Ryle said, take away the cross of Christ from the Bible and it is a dark book. Well, wow, that's in great contrast to what was spoken by Brian McLaren, right? So we go on to see, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word Lord, kurios, it signifies sovereign power, absolute authority, and absolute ownership. And know this, Jesus is referred to some 10 times as Savior and some 700 times as Lord. And listen, I've talked about this before. When you accept Christ as Savior, you accept him as Lord. People have been trying to separate the one from the other, and you cannot separate them from each other. He has become your Savior, but he is also the Lord of your life. And with him being the Lord of your life, you are now supposed to be submitting everything about your life to him. So we go on in our verses, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Because of the cross, Paul was transformed from a man ruled by externals and the glory of human achievements into a man ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, it's, there's nothing wrong with achieving things. There's nothing wrong with working hard to achieve this or to achieve that. There's nothing, there's nothing in its, in, it, that in itself is not a bad thing. It's if that's what you boast in, you know, and as someone who goes into the gym all the time, you know, you see people in there flexing and posing in the mirror and every, literally everything becomes about their body and everything becomes about, you know, whatever they've accomplished there. And uh, I remember, you know, lately I was in a, in a gym lately and there was a, there's a young guy in there and he's a power lifter. And I don't know why I did this. You know, I'm, I'm not one of those guys that said, well, you know what I used to do, but I think because I felt in the context of uh, he and I talking that this was, this would not, was not going to be out of place. But I said, you know, I used to power lift myself and I pulled my phone out and showed him a picture. So 
I don't know. I, I, I thought about that. I, I can't boast in that. It, it doesn't matter what I did. I need to always make sure that, and there's nothing wrong with that in a sense, but I need to always make sure that my boasting is in the cross of Jesus Christ to follow in the example of Paul. Amen. Paul was liberated from domination by the lusts of this fallen world. Christ became his all in all. And let me read that one part again. Paul was transformed by a man, from a man ruled by externals and the glory of human achievements into a man ruled by the Lord Jesus Christ. There's one thing I can tell you today that could help you in your walk with Christ. Don't, um, don't be ruled by what you've done. Don't be ruled by the externals. Glory in the Lord Jesus Christ and be completely ruled by him. Talks about the world where it says the through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. The world there, it represents the whole mass of mankind alienated from and hostile to God and his son. He says that world has been crucified to him. So this speaks of Paul's renouncing his old sinful way of living, to be united to his Lord. Crucified, put it to death. It's been done away with. So the believer who is inseparably united to the Lord has died on the cross to the kind of life that belongs to this world. If we are truly followers of Christ, we have put off the world and we are living our lives solely focused on the things of God, listen, we still fight the lusts of different things in our lives, whatever it is, and uh, we, but we need to con continually stay in that fight and keep moving forward and make sure that everything we're doing has to do with the cause of Christ. And I said this a little bit earlier, but you need to make sure as a man or woman of God that you are living on the victory side of the cross. Because what's going to be trying to happen to you all the time is you're going to be trying to be lured back into some of the old lifestyle that you used to live in. That pulling of that rope, so to, so, you know, so to speak, pulling you back into uh, the, that old mindset or that old way of thinking or some of those old habits. You've got to break that off and make sure that you are always staying on the victory side of the cross. Man, he put you there. You came through Christ. You're now in, in on the victory side. You need to stay there and make sure you're making a point of staying in your heart on the victory side of the cross. So the perfect tense here in the Greek signifies that the believer's eternal state is that of one crucified with Christ forever in union with him now and forever for our entire life. Wow, we have been uh, crucified. He said, it has been crucified to me. He is crucified, put to death, done away with his old sinful way of living. Does your life look like you're still living like you did before you came to Christ? That's unbecoming of a man or woman of God. You need to nip that and stop that right now and start living like a child of God. I, if you're young in the Lord, you need to learn this very quickly. Live your life as a new creation in Christ, which you are. If you are truly saved, you're a new creation in Christ. All things are passed away and everything in your life has become new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, you need to live your life with that mindset every single day. So what did it mean that he was crucified to the world? 
It meant that the world still the world still had this pull on him like it does on everybody, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, but it was no longer the driving force of his life. The world would give out its orders to him and try to press him into its mold, but it would always fail. That's what it needs to, that's what you need to do is never let the world give its orders to you and press you into its mold ever again. To Paul, it means it would no more be the guiding principle in his life um, because he was truly dead, crucified to it through Christ. He was crucified to the world um, through Christ. Amen. The things of the world did not hold Paul prisoner. He was able to have much. He was able to have little, to be in poverty or to abound. It did not change him. It did not rule his soul. He could possess the things of this world as God provided them, but they couldn't possess him. He was crucified to the things of this world, and now his life consisted in Christ and not in them. He was no longer attracted to the things of the world. His focus was on Christ and what Christ has done for him. I wrote this question down. Does the world still exercise rule over you through the pull of the flesh? Have you yet been crucified to this world by putting to death the deeds of the flesh? The cross brings separation from the world. The cross brings separation from the world. One old-time Bible teacher, J. Vernon McGee, said this. He said, between Paul and the world, there was a cross. That should be the position of every believer today. Don't you see it that way? Between you and the world, there's a cross. He went on to say, that will have more to do with shaping your conduct than anything else. You will not boast about the fact that you are keeping the Sermon on the Mount or that you belong to a certain church or that you are a church officer or a preacher or a Sunday school teacher. You will not be able to boast of anything. You will just glory in the cross and the one who died there. Wow, think about that. Uh, go back, listen to that again. Um, we will not boast about the fact that we are keeping the Sermon on the Mount or that we belong to a certain church which you hear from a lot of people, or that um, you know, you're, you're, in, you're a church staff person, you're a preacher, Sunday school teacher, you will not be able to boast of anything. You will just glory in the cross and the one who died there. Man, if our mindsets and our outlook of life was like this, our, our, I'm, I'm telling you something, our lives would be completely different. Listen, when we walk with the Lord, we will be out of step with the world. When we walk with the Lord, we will be out of step with the world. And believe me, I am out in my secular job, out, out, out in the world. You know, I'm around a lot of people, um, even today, uh, you know, just uh, bad speech. Just the, some of the, the talk is just, you know, maybe that's how I was before I got saved. But you really, if, if you're walking with the Lord, it, it impacts you. You really, really notice it. Uh, there's such a drastic difference because we are not supposed to, as followers of Christ, we're not supposed to talk like that. You're not supposed to talk like you did before you gave your life to Christ. You'll be out of step with the world. Um, one 
Bible commentator said this, after studying revival accounts for a good portion of my life, I've come to the conclusion that revival comes when people gain a right perspective of the Lord. Yet tragically, our generation has lost an understanding of the greatness, the grandeur, the power and majesty of the eternal God of the universe. Well, think about it. You got people leading movements in the evangelical church who are saying we need to get rid of the cross. He went on to say, set up against the ways of men, comfort, convenience, attempts to control, influence, manipulate, and succeed. God's ways stand in stark contrast. The ways of God are often ways of obscurity, criticism, servanthood, and deprivation. They involve self-denial, repentance, poorness of spirit, and humility. The ways of God are rarely in line with the ways of this world. Think about that. Living a life for Christ is living a life of self-denial. It's living a life of repentance. It's living a life of humility. Because without Christ, we're nothing. We only boast in the cross of Christ. The ways of God are rarely in line with the ways of the world. Again, you will, if you're walking with the Lord, you'll be out of step with the world. With the wor- if you're walking with the Lord, you'll be out of step with the world and you'll feel it and you'll know it. The resurrected Savior, he invites all men and women to come humbly in faith to him. And if we believe that he died in our place on the cross, we receive full forgiveness. In closing, listen, the world is God's enemy. Just watch any television show. Look at Disney. It's anti-God. Disney is going to implode because it is literally shaking their fists in the face of an almighty God. Hollywood shakes its fists in the face of an almighty God. This government that we have now shakes its fists in the face of an almighty God. Remember, there were true uh, counts that said when the Titanic set sail that the builders of the ship stood on the, on the deck and said, this is a ship. Look what we've done. We built a ship that will never be sunk. And do you realize what sunk it? It was a hole no bigger than your refrigerator in your kitchen, but it filled up extremely fast and thousands of people perished in that water. The world is God's enemy. It put Christ on the cross Why would we want to be a part of it? Why would we want to go back? Why would we want to act like we have anything to do with the world if it put Christ on the cross? And listen, it would do it again. If you're friendly with it and its ways, what can God do but count you on the other side? That's how important this is. If you are friendly with the world, If you are friendly with the world and its ways, what can God do but count you on the other side? He says, you have made yourself his enemy. There is no middle ground. And that's what people need to understand. There is no middle ground. You are sadly offside. I ask you today, turn again to Christ. Live for him. Let his love compel you to a life of utter devotedness to him. Paul said in our scripture verse for today, but far be it from me to boast, except in the, in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world 
has been crucified to me and I to the world. We are to boast and have a life and and an outlook of life where we boast only in the cross. We boast only in the things of Christ. I challenge you. I challenge me. I challenge all of us. Yes, we have to work. Yes, we have to go do the things that we do. We have to be out amongst the world, but we're not of the world. We're in it. We're not of it. We can't be friendly with its ways. Otherwise, what can God do but put us on the other side? We need to make sure that we are living lives where we are truly following after Christ with wholehearted devotedness. And as you come into this wonderful weekend of Good Friday and Easter, representing Resurrection Day, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, let this be a week where you make a newfound commitment to your walk with Christ. Make this be a week, even before you get to Easter, even before you get to Resurrection Day, even before you get to Good Friday, make sure this is a week where you you have challenged yourself to gain a new perspective of life, that your boasting is about the things of God. Your boasting is who you are in Christ. Your boasting is in the cross of Christ. Paul did. And I'll tell you something, there's anybody that I want to follow, whose whose example I want to follow, that is the Apostle Paul. Amen? So follow after Christ, be fully and wholly devoted to him. You are a follower of Christ. Make sure that you are living and looking like you are truly that. Amen? Let me pray for you right now. Father, we thank you for this time together. I pray, Father God, right now that uh, you would infuse all of us, Holy Spirit, with a new perspective of life and the life that we live on a daily basis, that every day we get up, we make a determination in our hearts that we are gonna boast in the cross of Christ and boast only in that. We're gonna do the things you've called us to do. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we, we're gonna go to work, we're gonna do the things we gotta do, we're gonna do ministry, whatever it is we're called to do. But we're not going to do it for accolades or achievements, we're gonna do it because we boast in the cross of Christ. Everything we do is completely centered around Christ. Everything we do is completely centered around Christ. We make a decision today to be wholly devoted to Christ like never before. We're gonna mark this week, God, as a week, even before we get to Resurrection Day, that we've made a commitment to serve you, to live for you, and to be devoted to you like we have never been before. Father God, I thank you for that right now for all of us. May we all be challenged and instigated in our hearts to live all out for Christ. And I pray these things. You know what? And before I go, I pray, Father, for uh, all the... There's so much going on in the world where um, this lack of food is supposed to be coming. And people around the nations of the world, there's a lot of poor people that are going without any type of food. And that's also in America. We pray, Father God, for those who are lacking in food that somehow, some way, that food, food would get to them nourishment would get to them whether it be this nation or other nations around the world and god we pray against this trap of the enemy or this this action of the enemy to try to cause the world to starve to death so to speak and take the lives of people through starvation we pray father god for people to be fed for people for food to get to them in jesus name and in all these things we pray and thank you for them in jesus name and everybody said together amen and amen 
Well, next week, your message on Sunday will be live from the church. It will be streaming, uh, and we will post that for you so you can see me up there preaching on Sunday morning. Jana's going with me, and uh, always awesome to have her with me, and people love her when she comes, and because of her spirit and who she is and how she is. So be praying for us for a great outpouring of the Spirit of God, many lives to be changed, people to be saved, but Christians to be challenged into a new walk with Christ. Amen. Until next time, have a great week. Happy Resurrection Day. God bless you.